Hey everyone, welcome once again to another episode of Two Noobs Talking. Of course, I'm Matt Craig, but oh, hold on one second. Uh, let me just see this. One second here. There we go. Uh, let me just ah yeah, there we go. Oh, with my buddy John. Tra oh my gosh, Steve. I may be your buddy, but I'm not John Tracy. <laughs> No, you're not. Um, well, it's good to have you. Thank you for coming on and for being one of my, I guess, a new co-host of ours and Two Noobs Talking. Yeah, John's on vacation, so he asked me to, to sub in. I guess that makes me a substitute noob. <laughs> a snoob, as we uh, deemed in pre-production. Well, it's great yeah. to have you with me uh, with this week's episode of Two Noobs Talking. It's episode 31 and we've got a lot going on today. Steve and I will be kind of just diving in with some really good discussion with a LinkedIn article that we found. Uh, and then, well, yeah, exactly. Then we also got some other things talking about social medias, kind of like our, you know, kind of our trials and tribulations of sorts, I guess you could say, with uh, with social media. And then we'll kind of dive into a little bit of the hockey. Obviously, the flyer season ended a little prematurely, but we're going to go back, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, really what we would do to try and fix the flyers, because they're obviously broken. We kind of need to put them back together. But then kind of go over a little bit of like what we, what, you know, what our favorite teams were basically for the flyers back then. And then we'll end it with a little stadium series recollection. How about that, Steve? What yeah, do you think? I think that was involved. Yeah, yeah, the the mascot of all mascots, the goat of all mascots, Gritty. So we'll reflect on that that wonderful uh, evening and uh, just the the trials and not the trials and tribulations, but my God, that were, whole story. Were, it was not a perfect evening, though. You know, let's let's not uh, shine it on. But, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it ended really, really, really well, though. <laughs> not gonna lie. So. Absolutely. I believe, though, you know, one of the new staples, of course, of this podcast, Two News Talking, was the PowerPoint. So I believe you came prepared with a PowerPoint. I so did. We, let's just dive right in, man. Let's well, do it. Look, this, you know, I've, this is the third time I've been on the program, and this yeah. time as a, as a sub co host. <laughs> and you've never had a PowerPoint to share. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, there, only so much you could do, you know, obviously in pre-production, but I love it. The fact that you came prepared with a pre with a PowerPoint presentation. Well, so I'm filling in for John this week. So I wanted to get sort of a John vibe going. I, I put a hat on uh -huh. it. Now I, I acknowledge his, you know, I'm representing the alma mater here. Love it. Love it. I know you love it. Yeah. Uh, I acknowledge John's hat is much more dapper. <laughs> I don't even know what you call that kind of hat. That's uh, it's got a name, but I, I just don't know it. I don't think that's a fedora, but I could be. No, one. no, yeah. No, I, I have a fedora actually. I've oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But John, John's got a much dapper hat than I do, <laughs> but I think we can all agree my beard is is way. Oh yeah, better. way better. I, I knew yeah. I knew I had made it when I had a handful of M and M's. I was eating them and I dropped one and I'm looking around for it on the floor and it turns out it got stuck. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's some power right there to hold the weight of an M&M. Heck yeah, absolutely. What, so this, this really came about as a result of the pandemic. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to share this to kind oh, of see where this, so this is, this is my headshot from 
my firm's website. Oh my gosh. This is, this is a few years old. I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I was just going to say, this is a throwback era here. What the heck's going on <laughs> here? But you can see here my beard and I kept it this way for a number of years. It's very closely cropped to my face, you know, no mm -hmm. real length to it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this is generally what I looked like um, pre-pandemic. And then this is, <laughs> This is me about this time this year. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, you know, it, everything was shut down. Couldn't get a haircut. I decided to just let my beard go. And uh, I said to my, when things finally started opening up early summer, I, you know, I went to the barber. I said, I want to look like this. There you go. Yeah. And, and her response was, well, every guy wants to look like this. And I said, well, <laughs> I, you know, I know I, I'm not going to get in the weight room anytime soon, but uh, exactly. could, you at least, could you, could you do the, could you do the hair for me? And, <laughs> you know, semi close, but you can't tell because I got a hat. Exactly. I got hat hair on. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that pandemic was a little rough, uh, you know, as far as uh, manicure. and. and I was going to say, you hair. kind of pulled off the Captain Lou Albano look pretty good. <laughs> I mean, really, Steve. I mean, that yeah, I think you could probably pull off that Captain Lou Albano pretty good there. Jason, I'm not quite so certain, obviously, with the muscles. I think those are digitally enhanced, maybe CGI. Who the heck knows? But <laughs> I could do that, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Uh, if anybody, if anybody had known me back in high school and college, you know I could probably pull the I couldn't do this back then. But, no, uh, yeah. You know. The Lou Albano with heft. It's very impressive. I, I give you, I give you much kudos on that. It's that's a very good and hefty beer. I give you credit. I that. You've always had a very good shape with your. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've debated years ago of like, oh, should I shave this completely off and just go completely clean shaven? And it's like, I've had this thing for since two thousand two, so it's been like close to twenty years that I've had something like this. It's got a little salt and pepper going on in there. That's okay. That's fine. You know, it's a little character in there. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, so you'll remember I used to have a goatee. Yep. Uh, and then uh, I think it was 2012, I grew a full beard. And I, I haven't gone back since because I, I feel like I look fat without it. <laughs> so the beard is slimming. There you go. <laughs> My question to you would be, how does the how does uh, the wife feel about this beer? Because I know I've heard like, you know, if you're married and or if you're dating, women don't really particularly like beards all that much but how does she feel about all that real quick she, she's okay with it there you go you know she thinks it makes me look good there you go so, that's all that matters I, yeah watching it can be a little rough um, <laughs> i tried oil in it last summer and mm. i wasn't feeling like it was really doing anything for me so mm. i just stopped <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny it was like i was actually in wegmans the other day and i bought like this uh beard and stubble cream it's kind of like it had a mint flavor to it you know so i'm just kind of just get a little dime size in there probably go like you know just wipe over the you know the face it, you know moisturizes it a little bit and then kind of goes away that kind of deal so it kind of all works out anyway let's turn the page shall we let's go ahead and dive in to this LinkedIn article that I shared with you this morning, uh, Steve, and I, I, do, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but... That's quite a LinkedIn article, right? There. I was just going to say, yeah, something like that was a little bit off. We'll talk touch base on that uh, wonderful staying series game a little bit later. But work from home or a $30,000 raise 
employees said it wasn't even close. And so this was from uh, thebizjournal.com. And basically it just um, written up, it basically says that, just read the poll quote here, quote, employees at some of the country's largest and most well-known companies would rather permanently work from home then get a $30,000 a year raise and the results were even close. And if you scroll on down, they basically, um, most, I think there's an, uh, a link in, we'll see if we, I'll throw this on a show note a little bit later on today and we'll drop that in the drive uh, for John to post or you get it onto our two noob site. But it, it basically is interesting because a lot of the big companies, your Amazons, your Googles, your Apples, 60 to 66 percent so we're talking like close to two-thirds of those companies are saying hey look i really want to work from home despite the fact that you may offer me thirty thousand dollars a year to come back to the office and then of course you see there also too jp morgan 47 percent of employees would take the work from home qualcomm 42 percent so it's very interesting i think from a i mean i Huge from like the big firm perspective are trying to think about offering their employees that amount of money year on a yearly salary to get them to come back into the office post pandemic. Of course, we're turning the corner and I think we're almost through the, to the other side uh, with the vaccine rollout, of course, and all the therapeutic drugs that are going to be coming out. But what, what were your initial thoughts on this, Steve, like right off the top when I sent it to you this morning? Because I found it like incredibly interesting. It didn't it didn't surprise me hmm. all that much. Um, I mean, I, I we can get into our own personal experiences on the mm-hmm. home thing in a minute. But, um, you know, it, I don't know how it was presented to the people that were surveyed. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I try to think of it. If somebody asked me that question, how would I respond? And, and for a hypothetical like that, hmm. um, it really would depend on the circumstances. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if if my salary is only thirty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and now you're offering to double it to get me to come in the office, yeah, I, I probably <laughs> more likely than not to take that deal. Exactly. You know, yeah. but the more the more money you make per year, the less thirty thousand dollars kind of makes that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. And so there's other things that come into play as well. Like, mm-hmm. are there kids involved? What age of kids? You know, if you got younger kids, maybe you'd rather work at home. Uh, the commute, like, there's, you know, if if my drive down the street is five minutes to the office. Mm-hmm. Maybe I I take thirty thousand dollars to make that five minute drive every day, and mm-hmm. close enough I can go home for lunch if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have extended commutes, like I know a lot of people have, they would much rather have that time. Exactly. Um, you know, and so, if you have the capability of working from home, you got everything that you could possibly need. What's the point of getting into the car and driving in? Makes sense. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. It's industry specific too. Like if you it need is. to be meeting customers all the time or yeah. clients or whatever, then you probably need to be in the office. But mm-hmm. if you're just kind of filling out spreadsheets every day, you know, maybe you don't need to be there. Yeah, exactly. I know for me, uh, you know, I, I pretty much work in, I guess you could say in a back office type of environment, you could say billing, you know, collection, you know, things like that. I've done that all my career, all my adult life, basically. And so I've gone into the office every single day um every day 
um, you know, that kind of thing during a work week. And I, it's old nature to me, old hat, basically. And, you know, I've done it for 20 some odd years. And so when I read that article, in my initial thought process was, what, are you crazy? Like, if someone were to do that for me, to say, hey, Matt, $30,000 more a year if you come in, you know, post-pandemic, coming into the office, I would be like, sign me up. Like, it wouldn't even be a hesitation. It's a 40% raise for me, basically. And it's like, I, I would leap at that opportunity. But here's the other option, too. I think to your, your point so well stated, Steve, I've got a 20-minute commute. I don't have much of a commute at all. And that's intentional, and that's by design for me. I made sure that when I moved here, it was close to a lot of, you know, a lot of different areas. Royersford I used to work in, now Malvern, of course, just in around the King of Prussia area, of course. I could also go to Horsham, Abington area where you live, but also like, you know, I could go down south to Philadelphia or Wilmington. Now that could be a little bit longer, but the point is it's like I'm strategically placed so I could go anywhere else. If you've got an hour or two every single day, that's rough. That is absolutely rough. My thought process would be like, well, could it be possible you might move? Is that a possibility? It really depends on where you are and where the housing is. If the housing is too much, then it doesn't make sense for you to do it. But I feel for those people that are like, no, what the heck? If I've got an hour or two, I'm not going to spend it in my car finding rush hour traffic to go in, even if somebody's offering me $30,000 more a year. I mean, because I, I think they're probably the thought process would be, that's going to go towards gas. That's not, that's a lose-lose in my, you know, that person's estimation possibly. There was, there's also like, you know, people are, a lot of people like you, I, I'm sort of similar. I intentionally moved somewhere where I had easy access to trains because mm -hmm. our office is in, one of our offices is in Center City, so I could easily yep. get there. Yep. But a lot of people do you know, pick places to live that are near mm -hmm. place of work. Yeah. One thing I thought, I think the pandemic did was like, you know, just take New York city, for example, just cause I hate it. Um, <laughs> a lot of people lived in New York city to be close to their jobs in New yeah. York city. Yeah. When they were able to work from home, mm -hmm. they decided, you know what, I don't have to pay $2,000 to, to live in a, uh, a crawl space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, yeah, in or a studio city. apartment. Yeah. Right. I could, I could live in North Jersey and work at home, have much less, much more living space for much less payment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that I undoubtedly would factor into, uh, you know, a decision like this in the LinkedIn article. Yeah, exactly. I think part of it too. And, you know, it, I think the one thing that really shocked me again was just the overwhelming response was two thirds. And my thought process was like, you know, and again, I think this goes back to my 20 years of experience working in offices before I love the office environment. It's strange to say, it may sound strange to hear that. Um, because the only reason why is I've forged a lot of really cool relationships, uh, over the years with people that I've worked with. Um, and so it's like just being able to talk with them and, you know, collaborate with them and, you know, work to try and get as much as we possibly can to get, you know, get stuff done. It's been huge. And I've developed friendships with that over the years outside of work. Working remotely from home, I've lost that, Steve. That's the one thing that has really been a struggle for me. I don't know, I don't know about you, but for me, that's been a struggle. Um, it's been tough to kind of 
deal with, um, particularly when everybody's only involved in Slack or on Zoom, and it's like you don't really see them every day, and you're not driving it. You know, it's like you kind of miss that a little bit. And I think that's what I miss the most about all of this, you know, the whole bit. And I think that's where I'm like my antenna, my red flag goes up, and it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, what about, what about, what about, what about? You know, it's like you're missing out on this. You're missing. You're going to miss out on this. You know, that kind of thing. And I think that's where my defense mechanism kind of kicks in a little bit. I don't know. That's that's totally understandable. I, I'm in the same boat as far as missing seeing people every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you and I have talked before. So my situation in the pandemic was a little bit different in that um, for the listeners who don't know, I am an attorney. So I work in a law firm. Mm-hmm. And just the nature of the business having to go to court or I'm a patent attorney specifically. So I have to go to the patent office in DC mm. or, you know, just travel different places for the job. Mm-hmm. We had to have the ability to work remotely, access documents and things, you know, while not connected to the office hard line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that also came the ability to, when we wanted to work at home, which, you know, if I, if I had a, if I had a meeting with a client, it made much more sense to me and I could get more work done if after that meeting, I could just come home mm-hmm. and do the work rather than schlep into the office in Center City from where I live. Yeah. Now my commute, I take the train, the train ride station to station is about a half hour, mm. about a five minute drive to the train station. You wait five minutes for the train. Mm-hmm. Then you got to walk from the Center City station to the office, which is another five to 10 minutes. So yeah. Door to door, it's like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on if SEPT is running properly, which mm-hmm. usually they weren't. They weren't. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, my day was yeah. I'd wake up at 6.30, I would shower immediately, eat breakfast, I'd be out the door by 7.15 to make sure I'm at my desk working at 8.30. And that's and a I lot. Would, yeah. I would leave the office at 5.30, catch a 5.40 train, uh, and be home around 6.15. Yeah. Um, you know, these days I roll out of bed at like 7.30. I watch some TV while I eat and then I take a shower and then I sit down at my desk. Exactly. So, so, and another, another factor for us too was we moved our physical Philadelphia office mm. about, I think at 2018. Mm. And as part of that, we downsized to save on rent. And mm-hmm. one of the things we were doing, particularly for like the associate level attorneys, mm-hmm. we were asking them to share offices. Oh, in that like one would come in Mondays and Wednesdays and one would come in Tuesdays and Thursdays. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. they'd be working at home two or three days a week anyway. Yeah. Um, and as it, I was, I was, when I started taking advantage of the work at home, it was, I was a Friday guy. I was like, I'll work at home on Fridays. Friday. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, it became even better when my son started playing travel hockey two years ago. Yeah. So there were two practices a week that I needed to be there for. So so I was working at home two days a week and Makes only sense. going in three days. Yeah. So our attorneys have always had the ability to work at home. So yeah. the adjustment technologically and kind of being able to focus hmm. has always been there. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue for us was with like the administrative staff. Yeah. Um, because they were in the office every day. Mm-hmm. We had been debating for months, you know, mm. should we offer them a, a chance to work at home a day a week or something? Mm. And the pandemic made the choice for us. Mm. 
So they all went full-time work at home. Mm. So the office has been closed for over a year. Everybody's working at home and the work's getting done. And, yeah, amazing. you know, we, yeah. we, we haven't seen any kind of work issues from the work at home. I think that's been, I think that's probably been, and that's been my experience as well. Like uh, working from home has really, has really focused in a lot. And the production has definitely, I think has either maintained its steady consistency or has gone up slightly. Um, I can't say, you know, overall, you know, basically for me though, I know I, you know, there've been days where it's been, it's been steady and consistent and that's helped. I mean, you know, in that regard, yeah. But again, I, well, I think I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. You it's miss out on the collaboration. Time. You miss out on all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's like, and I think the transition, you know, I keep thinking about that. It's like, okay, if we're going to go back to where it once was, that's going to be a tough transition because everybody's been so used to Zoom Plus, you know, I'm going to say it's Zoom Plus for over a year and looking at, at screens and monitors for over a year. It's going to be interesting to see how companies will try and either a incorporate more of a hybrid, you know, that kind of thing, or, or is there going to be like hard and fast, you got to come in every single day, that kind of thing. I know for me, uh, my organization, Steve, it's been kind of like, we're going to be, the, the thought process might be soft open, then full-time open. Yeah. I was going to say, do you actually have, does your company actually have a plan yet for kind of reopening? It's interesting. Yeah, we were we have multiple offices throughout the entire country, and I think the original thought process was okay. We got to make sure that across you know all states, that caseloads are down. That's number one. Caseloads have got to go down under a certain threshold, and if they don't, if they're not under that particular threshold, then it's kind of like no, you're not going back in. You know that kind of deal. Um, so there's that, but then it was always, you're going to move it and then you're going to move it again. And then you're going to move it again. You know, that kind of thing. It was like the goalpost kept getting moved. So that was a little frustrating. Um, and it was to a point where I was kind of making the argument, well, we're a young organization. We don't have anybody employed in the organization to my knowledge that's 75 or older. That's in that, you know, in that high risk category that would be placed in like, oh my gosh, we got to make sure that this person is okay before he or she is ever going to go back in, you know, that kind of deal. So it's, you know, and I was kind of making the argument, well, why are we doing this, you know, to kind of just, we keep pushing it. Why do we keep pushing it when no one's in that age group that is really, you know, in the, in the high risk category, but I can understand like where they're coming from as well. It's, you know, it's, it's a give and take and a give and balance and all that kind of stuff. So it's been, well, but anyway, yeah, to get back to what, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You come back, you want them to feel like it's okay. 100%. Regardless yeah. of how they feel about the virus. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's going to be, that's been the, the approach, I think, for the organization as we continue to go forward. We're, we've downsized some of the offices as well. So, we're, you know, instead of having, I think we had like eight, we're now down to four. So the four other offices or four other locations I could say is what we're going to be calling collaboration hubs, which is basically kind of just like, you know, we're going to have like one particular meeting area or areas for the people that live in that area to get together and to collaborate and to come together and, you know, hang out for a happy hour or hang out for, you know, something after work or something along those lines. 
just to have that that feel and that sense. Um, as for my office, I think we are we. You know, it sounds more and more that we are going to go back, but I think it will be on a case by case basis for some people. Some people may not choose to come back five days a week. In that case, it would be something where they would go to their manager and say, you know, I just still don't feel quite comfortable as of yet to go back five days a week. I want to come back three or I want to come back four, in which case. So be it, right? It's like, I, you know, if you can prove to me that you can get your work done, if you're a manager, if you could, you know, and that person comes to you and say, well, all right, then my expectation of you is you better get your work done. And if you don't get it done, then it's an issue. Then you need to come in. You know, that kind of deal. I mean, that's pretty much what it was pre-pandemic for people. Exactly. Yeah. Prove you can do it and then we'll let you do it. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You go work from home and then they screw around for, you know, three hours. For like three hours. Yeah. I know for me too, like in the last organization I worked for, um, there was another one based software company and, you know, they were pretty much done. Friday afternoons, Friday afternoons, my time is like five o'clock there. So they were pretty much done. They had nobody in the office. So I kept thinking to myself, well, why am I in the office? In particular, there's no one to report to. There's no one to talk to, you know, from the finance side. I'm thinking like, well, why don't I just go home and I'll just work at home for the rest of the day. And they were like, they were fine with it. And I did, you know, long enough, four 30, whatever. And it was pretty much over and done with you know, six hour time difference. And it was like, okay, no big deal. The, um, the interesting thing about that LinkedIn article was I think they, they were surveying on a binary choice. Like yes, either you work from home completely or we give you 30 grand and you go <laughs> yeah. every single day for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, to me, I, I'd be happy just to get back to where I was, where I go into the office two or three days a week. Yeah. Cause you need to, you need to speak with people and, and have meetings and, and in person and things like that. Yeah. But you know, it's also nice two or three days to not have to have that. Commute. To not have to have that. I could see it where, you know, there could be a movement where you're still working five days, but four of those days are in the office where you have a Friday or you have a Monday off or off, meaning, quote unquote, you're working from home, basically. So it's like there'll be a more of a relaxed environment, I think. Could potentially happen. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this goes forward as we get out of this pandemic, what will happen to the workforce and where things go. Well, Uh, I mean, it's going to behoove a lot of businesses to let people work at home too, because they're going to save space. Yeah. You're not going to have to pay rent on such large, large places. And then, you know, things like in my profession, you know, we would have to ordinarily we would be traveling to do depositions. We, I'd have to fly out to yeah. uh, Chicago or Detroit, God forbid, or you know, um, go to DC to to take a deposition or to appear in court. We've been doing that. We've been doing that remotely now for over a year. We've been taking yeah. depositions, having hearings. You know, trials. I think would have to resume in person. But yep. just like status hearings before a judge. You can get on the phone or get on Zoom. As Zoom. Long as you're wearing a shirt, which I don't understand why some people think they can appear in front of a judge that way. <laughs> um, yeah, but we've you know, seen they, some things. Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there were costs associated with that. You know. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, Somebody yeah. had to pay for me to fly out to Chicago. Yeah. We probably don't need to justify that expense to stay overnight in a hotel anymore. Hotel, airfare, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. 
It's going to be very interesting in the future what's going to happen for sure. But this kind of transitions a little bit into the social media uh, aspect of things. And also with work, um, you know, you and I, of course, have been working for a long time. Uh, different industries, of course, but, you know, we're also active a little bit on social media, although we're, I think we're kind of more dialing back a little bit, obviously, with what happened. But um, I kind of want to just get your thoughts on really like what your experience has been, because I know you have a Twitter um, and I did follow you at one point uh, before I deleted Twitter, that cesspool. But uh, <laughs> wanted to get you your thoughts on gone, it. Man, it was so dis- it was it was horrible. I just looked one day, <laughs> nice. My twenty followers, and you weren't there. And it broke my heart, man. <laughs> About the only highlight I had out of Twitter was when Brian Dawkins retweeted one of my tweets, which I thought oh, was nice. like that was pretty cool. You know, I was like, I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> I think what. The, the, the most action one of my tweets ever got was after um, Trump canceled the Eagles visit to the White House after the Super Bowl. Mm. And I, I tweeted out a picture from the cartoon Aqua Teen Hunger Force with the uh, <laughs> noxious neighbor named Carl, who is a big Giants fan. So he's wearing his Giants shirt mm. and he's making this face like, oh, and I, said, <laughs> I said, behind the scenes at the White House, canceling the Eagles. <laughs> Nice. Visit and like eighty people like eighty it. people liked it. Nice. Yeah, for great. the for the longest time, my followers number was like nineteen. Hmm. Every once in a while, it would be like, oh, I got to twenty, and then I check, it's oh, it's a porn bot. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'll be back to nineteen. Be know, back to eighteen. Yeah. After, exactly. after they get banned. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. What was the question again? No, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think, I mean, just the idea of like, you know, cause we're both like involved in business, of course, you know, you're patent, um, patent law and I'm of course in billing the distraction that social media has on the work environment. Um, I don't know about you, Steve. I know that has been for me, it's been a huge distraction um, to me. Um, it was particularly noticeable to me, like in the 16 election, um, Lots of notifications from Facebook. A lot of people were making posts on Facebook and you know, I was getting ding, 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 ding. And it was like, okay, this is kind of getting ridiculous. I got to shut the Facebook notifications off. Did that. Had the Twitter account. That wasn't really working. Deleted that. Then I think it was just about a few days ago, I deleted Facebook off the phone completely. Um, again, it was like, I keep going back. It was like, it was a habit of, you know, you keep going back. And then I saw, I think there was an article or two somewhere where it was it might have been on LinkedIn somewhere where it was like talking about deleting Facebook off your phone is the best thing you could ever do. You don't need to worry about what's going on and the drama and all that kind of stuff. What do you think about that? I mean, patent law, I know you're probably a little bit different. You don't have time to look it up Twitter or all, all the kind of thing. I'm kind of curious. Well, so figures, let me, let me like. give you my philosophy on social media. Good, so yeah. first I'll explain what I'm on and what I'm not on. Hmm. I do have a Twitter account. Um, I do not do Facebook. Mm. Um, I do have LinkedIn, but I mean, I don't think it's technically social media, but I don't think people usually count it when they're talking about kind of things, but because it's, you know, for professional networking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, People aren't going on there posting weird stuff usually at least at least at least i would hope not yeah (laughs) maybe some people with the you know they dress up like a doctor and (laughs) 
or claim to be an expert in something. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder who that is. Um, <laughs> well, I have Twitter. I don't do Facebook. I don't have uh, mm. Instagram. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm sort of blanking on any of the other ones. But so. Like TikTok, I think is like, a, you know, that's just quick video. So I'm recently on TikTok solely to promote Dr. IP. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Whoever that guy is. He's a genius, by the way. I have to mention him. So uh, that's that's the extent of it. And, you know, notifications, uh, I, I guess with Twitter, they, they don't, I guess you get them if somebody tweets something. Tweets at you or at you. Yeah. Or, or mentions you or is replying mm -hmm. to something you said, mm -hmm. but it's not like every time somebody posts something, I'm getting it. Yeah. So I don't have that constant ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. Yeah. But I, I can understand from your viewpoint, oh. you find that distracting. Facebook for me, for sure, was a huge distraction. And it just was, you know, I, it, you get to a point where it's like, okay, I can't, like, I'll give you an example. A few, few months ago with the Capitol, um in january mm -hmm. i had literally like turned off facebook completely it wasn't until that day that it was happening that i just logged in just innocently just trying to figure out like okay we'll check it out what's what going on yeah it was shocking i was shocked out of my mind i could not believe what i was seeing with the posts it was just like one of them was a, a pastor that I, I follow and he was just like whatever's going on in the capital it's not Da, 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 da. you know he was just basically against this is not democracy but you know the whole bit and i'm like what the heck's going on and i look into it and it's like people are storming the capital like right now you know i'm kind of like looking at my watch i'm like what the heck's happening it's like i don't i'm kind of like looking around going like what the heck's going on here like it was so peaceful and quiet up here it was just like huh that's interesting but it was like it was stunning. It was really stunning to me. Um, just being away from that, it's like you just don't have that sense. And yet there, it causes so much noise and ridiculousness, too. It's just... I... So are you are you on anything now? So I am, I've always had a Facebook account uh, since 2008. But for now, it's like I've deleted the app off the phone. So it's like... Technically, I, yeah, still aren't. Yeah, because I have like a lot of like I have photos saved all over the place. Um, and of course, like, you know, John and I correspond a little bit back and forth on Facebook. Um, also have the Instagram account. Um, Twitter, so, I've I, dropped completely. I have deleted that all. Say again? Can I ask a question? Because I, I don't I don't really know. What does Instagram do that's different? Nothing. There's, <laughs> I, I, there was a there's these photos that's named trip trip crosby yeah and trip and tyler is the is the, the duo's name and they do these funny videos on youtube they're they're hysterical uh and one of the ones they did was like websites in real life and so you know it was it was like an office setting and and people read people's offices were like their website you know you go in and say oh we're not working right now you know or, i'm only here to direct you to my facebook page yeah so, um, you know, the, the they had one room, one conference room was Facebook. Mm -hmm. They had something that was hysterical about representing Facebook. But they had another one that was Instagram. Mm. I guess it was when Instagram was starting. And it's just a bunch of people holding dinner plates with food on it. And they would, so they would go, here's mine. Well, here's mine. Here's mine. Here's mine. <laughs> so 
I don't know much about Instagram other than that. Yeah. <laughs> Am I missing something? It, no, I think that's that's pretty accurate. I would say it's probably home for all kinds of memes. Like if you get like the memes, it's everywhere there. Um, initially, when I had the uh, the Instagram account set up, though, it was pretty much like, oh, this guy is like he's in his forties. Well, maybe we'll just inundate his Instagram account with like twenty year old models, you know, that kind of deal. And it was, <laughs> not interested not interested not interested. i'm thinking like come on I'm, I'm so glad that, you, that we talked yesterday in pre-production because i that's been my experience with tiktok yeah since I've been here. <laughs> yeah uh, pretty much every other video when you scroll through it is some woman threatening to show her boobs Oops, exactly and, which is banned on tiktok as i understand it so yeah. it's not even like there's going to be a payoff yeah. oh. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, don't get me wrong. It's like I am looking for a wife. Don't don't get me wrong, but that doesn't help. You know, it's like just having those pictures come in. It's just like that's just not helpful. You know, it's just like come on. You know, but you get out of that algorithm. It's just amazing. It's just like after a while of just saying not interested, not interested, not interested. Eventually, the algorithm catches up. Boom, drops everything from that point on. So it's. So let, me, let me ask you this. Go for it. What do you use your social media for? Because that to me is big sort of, the way I use it, I feel like is different than a way mm. most people use it. And I think most people, like I, I think social media is, is a huge problem. Oh, yes. Um, yes. You know, there are some aspects of it which are good. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been able to use it to reconnect with people mm -hmm. who I haven't seen in 20 years. 20 years. Yep. That would be great. It's nice because, you know, 20 years ago, there really wasn't much of a way to do that other than picking up a phone. Phone or writing a letter. Yeah. Um, and it, and there are other things I can get into that are nice about it, but uh, like the, 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 the happy story you guys did last week. Yeah. Um, with the cops who bought with the, the cops. Yeah. 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 And apparently they found out what happened to him on Facebook. So yeah. that can be a good use. But I think it's a major problem. Oh, huge. And, but before I, before I get into how I use it, I'd like to know how you use your social media. Boy, that's such a good question, Steve. I, you know, it's so interesting. When I first started, um, you know, it was more of a platform for kind of like, it was interesting. A lot of uh, photos and, you know, again, reconnecting. Like, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of people that I, before. yeah, right? isn't that what Facebook was for? It was, was for, yeah, just to collab, right, yeah, just to get people together and kind of talk and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, it was a debate forum, and it could have been a debate forum on anything. It could have been sports, or religion, or politics. And I'm thinking, like, whoa, this is kind of getting. And when it was things were getting hot and heavy on the political world, then it's really started to get downhill. It was it went downhill and quickly, quickly. And so now it's like, as you know, when all that started to go down, it was kind of like, this isn't really all that good, especially when 2016 was happening, when all the different when all the different candidates were coming in, everyone's having their own opinions. And everyone is their own, you know, their own genius, you know, just tell them that they're the smartest person in the room. They'll tell you, you know, that kind of deal. And everyone has their own opinion. Nope. Nope. You can't change my own opinion, that kind of a thing. And that was really just, that was really the beginning of the end. I think it was really just at that point for me was a seminal shift. It was like, okay, 
if we can't have a conversation in person about this and rationalize this like adults instead of being the social justice warriors by typing things out, we're losing the, uh, the ability to do this. And so now it's like I've gone back. It's interesting now I use Facebook for photos again. And people are loving the photos I po post. It could be anywhere in Valley Forge Park, could be my home, could be myself, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or it could be anything, really, or just like nature itself or whatever the case may be. And it's gone back to, way it, to, to where it once was. And the political sphere, I think, has now left that. I think a lot of the conservatives have left. A lot of my conservative friends have openly admitted to me that they basically have left Facebook because they feel like they've been censored or you know closed off or whatever the case may be i've i've never encountered that i have never once been put in facebook jail <laughs> for my for a posting i've made i know my cousin tom even has like extra accounts for when he's put into jail <laughs> yeah like so tom being put in jail i wouldn't have ever thought about that <laughs> <laughs> facebook jail but um but yeah it's like it's i i think it's gotten to the point where for me at least, let me just show you some photos in around the area. And just let's just see the beauty of God's creation or whatever the case may that's, be. Yeah, that's I I like that. That's good. Which is great. You know, it's like we need to see more of that as opposed to like tell me what your current topics are or anything of that sort. And it gets you all worked up and it just it doesn't help any, I think. So so I use Twitter. I, I my main use for Twitter mm. is basically if I'm not in front of the TV to watch a Flyers game, mm. or a game or a Sixers game, I can go in there. I follow like beat writers, mm -hmm. um, and I follow the teams, and so they'll post like when a goal is scored and mm. you know a video of it, and I can get updates uh, if somebody got hurt or you know what the score is. Um, mm. That was sort of my main reason for it. So, yeah. you know, when you look at my list of followers, you see like the Flyers, the Phillies, the Eagles, the Sixers. Um, you'll see, you know, like guys like Sam Carcitti of the Inquirer, who is a beat writer for the Phillies or Flyers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I follow Jim Jackson, you know, from the Flyers. Um, and you know, I follow a couple of comedians just because they put out funny stuff. Like I follow Dimitri Martin because he every mm. every weekday. At one o'clock, he posts something funny, and it's good for a laugh. Um, it's what we need. Yeah, yeah. I, follow, yeah. I, I actually I follow um, Ben Bailey. Okay, followed me. Uh, oh, really? I got yeah. I I I just uh, watched one of the new Star Wars movies, and I posted that um, Return of the Jedi was still my favorite. He liked mm -hmm. it and followed me, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." Somebody that's really cool. I've seen on TV followed me, so I'll, I'll follow him back. There you go. Um, you yeah. know, so my, my list of people to follow is not extensive. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, I follow some athletes just cause you know, I follow Joel Embiid because yeah, what's funny stuff. How could you not? He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I follow Bryce Harper. I follow yeah. John LeClaire. Yeah. Um, but it's all just sort of for fun. And when I, I, uh, and I follow a couple of friends who, you know, that I know are on it. Um, not you anymore. Not me anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's really the extent of it. When I post something, I'm usually just posting, like I'll be sitting and I'll just think of something funny in 140 words or less, mm. characters or less. And instead of just muttering it to myself and chuckling, I'll just post it for 
maybe someone will see it and get some enjoyment out of it. You know, yeah. I don't really do it for much more than that. Man. Yeah, for much somebody, more than that. Yeah. yeah. If somebody sends me something, you know, I'll reply and usually yeah. or like it. But I don't I don't click on I don't follow anybody in like real news media. I was just gonna say, yeah. I don't follow politicians. Yeah. I don't, I don't you know, when they have the things on the side that are like trending, I don't click on or that. Yep. Because I know what's gonna happen if I go in there. Oh yeah. I'm just gonna. It I'm doesn't gonna take long. Beat on the head by lefties and righties. Uh huh. Um, and that hurts after a while. <laughs> the funniest part about that is, like, you know, everybody says, "Oh, it's a political spectrum," and you have the far left and the far right. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's really a circle. Yeah. And they're both down here at the bottom, right? <laughs> because they all behave the same way. Same way. way. You yeah. See it. And it's so frustrating. It's Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So that I use social media to keep up with my sports teams, to keep up with friends. Yeah, that's good. And to get a laugh once in a while. I do not use it to get news. Yeah. I don't use it for any real, you know, yeah. purpose like that. Yeah, I know people, you know, that's the thing that really gets me is like, oh, somebody posted something on Twitter. It must be true. Well, no, no. And and even even real journalists anymore. In the, in, yeah, kind of like back in the day, there used to be something called a vetting process that you would right. go through to try and figure out what actually did happen and take place. But if they go through that, they're not going to be the first one to post it. So not, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so, and, you know, and there's there's still a little bit of it, you know, because I follow the sports teams, you know, trade rumors and stuff. So that's going to yeah. pop up. But yeah. that's in the in the grand scheme of things, that's so inconsequential. Who gives yeah. a shit? Yeah, exactly, exactly, well, exactly. Yeah, no, that's my, that's my philosophy on on social media use. It's it's for fun. It's not. If don't you're take it seriously. Yeah. About politics and important stuff, you need more than 140 characters to say what you really mean. Like, I could have gone off the rails last year with all the crap that went on yeah i could not have done a single tweet you know tell me tell me about that yeah especially with that last election oh my gosh it was like okay just i i made it a point steve really when it was when the calendar turned 2020 okay i'm off all kinds of social media and i think that's why i dropped twitter ultimately ultimately yeah that's exactly what i did i made it a point i just it was like mine's made up i already knew what i was going to do but I wasn't going to be an evangelist convincing somebody else otherwise, you know, that kind of thing on social media. It's like, if someone were to ask me, I would tell them nothing more, nothing less. That's it. Never going to change somebody's mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would take a lot. Mind made up. You're not going to change it for them, especially if you're trying to swing them over to the other side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Takes a long time to do that. Yeah. People only listen to what they, Mm -hmm. what, puffs them up yeah you know they 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 it people on the right watch fox news because it makes them feel like they were right and then yeah. people on the other side will tune into your buddy cuomo and feel like were, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and feel puffed up after hearing what he has to speak I mean, I, the, maybe the way i get my news is i i hear the same story from like yeah four or five different places and that health that's healthy and then i, and then I go okay well, okay right-leaning, so I'm going to move it this way, and this one's left-leaning, so I'm going to move it this way, and 
Somewhere in here is the middle. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere here. It's not out here. Exactly. It's not out here. It's in here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, with that being said, how about let's talk a little, uh, talk a little flyers real quick. Um, You know, obviously uh, you were on with us with John and me uh, a few weeks ago. And of course, like it was really at the halfway point of the season. And ironically it was like okay i i was right on my prediction you know they, yeah. they got four points out of six with boston and then all of a sudden they play against buffalo boom the front axle goes off the rails the car gets stuck in the ditch and the season was pretty much over at that point um and so this isn't like the two muppets uh you know and up in the balcony complaining because we love to do that whenever we go to the flyers games together whenever something is going wrong yeah, andrew mcdonald's no longer with us andrew yeah. mcdonald's no longer with us thank god um but yeah it i instead of complaining about oh okay here we go the flyers are you know they're in sixth place over my shoulder it's like they're not going to make the playoffs obviously we're going to make that change what is probably let's just say like the top two needs do you think that would fix the flyers um and let's just briefly talk over the top two i don't know if you uh caught the end of season press conferences i did some of the stuff that came out was actually very interesting Mm -hmm. um and some of the stuff that came out before that was actually interesting like uh, a, a few weeks ago, Elaine Vigneault said something to the effect like, well, our penalty kill this year has been bad because we've had a bunch of younger guys mm. penalty kill. Mm. And when he said that at the time, I was like, well, that doesn't really make much sense. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of season press conference, you know, it, 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 it didn't come as a shock, but, you know, everybody basically admitted, well, through March and April, we had one practice. One practice, and that was it. And when you think about it, when you need, when your penalty kill is not working, you need to practice it. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you have guys on it who are not used to, you know, older veterans don't need to practice it as much because they know what to do. The younger mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. you know, so that feeds off of, well, Matt Niskanen retired. He was a top penalty killer. Mm-hmm. So now you had what Phil Myers on the penalty kill and he needed the practice time. Yeah. Um, and if anything, I think he's probably more uh, suited for the power play than he is on the penalty kill. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the thing that bothered me about what came out of the press conference is not necessarily what came out of the press conference, but how people were treating it. Mm. I know it's not the only reason for what happened, but I really do think COVID hurt this team. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, the, they were in a good, they, they may not have been playing to their peak, but they were in a good spot in the standings mm-hmm. right when they had that weak COVID break. Yeah. And then after that, it was when really everything fell apart. And people would say, oh, well, every team had to deal with that. Yeah. Well, not every team had to stop playing for a week because of COVID. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, not every team had like all of their top players get COVID. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Travis Konechny basically admitted he got it and he took him a long time to feel right after. To get fully recovered from it, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then not every team had to reshuffle their schedules, so they played 17 games in 30 days either. Which, if you stop to think about that, I mean, oh, that, that's like you're playing like at least four, if not five, back-to-backs 
in the in the course of that month that is unbelievable for a hockey team to do something along that kind of a road and it's a it's a you know when things are going great maybe it's not as big a deal but when things are going bad you need practice time and they didn't get it so i, I don't yeah. buy when people say oh everybody dealt with it everybody had everybody was here in covid but COVID did not affect everybody the same way. Same way. Yeah. So, Which speaks to the all. weirdness of that disease to begin with. You know, it kind of just speaks to that weirdness of that disease, you know. But yeah, it's like, it's interesting because it's like, you you have that. and That was a huge monkey wrench in the engine. There's no question about it. Because it was, you had, they were a real good, seemed like, to you know, off to a good start. And then they hit like to your point, it was like mid-February. I think it was mid-February or late February, I think it was. It was, when... it was late February because it was right before Yeah. they 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 brought him back to start yep. playing without like their top six guys so that they could play in Tahoe. Yeah. February 27th or something. So yeah. Late February. Yeah, and that was a game that like the NHL was like, you've got to play this game. You know, <laughs> it was going, okay. Yeah, but it, like, our fourth line was basically AHLers, you know. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's rough. It, it was so, rough. When you talk about the top two needs, it is really difficult to mm. evaluate players this season. I mean, on the one hand, Joel Farabee had a great year. Yeah, he twenty was goal good. scorer. I think you know you're probably going to get twenty. If you could get twenty five out of him next year, that's great. You know, it's like love to see that kid uh, exceed um you know this season for sure it was a great step forward for him and i think that's that's tremendous you got to get connecting back i do agree with you i think covid that knocked him for a loop no question about it. he was not the same player just was not the same player even prior to the covid outbreak he was not the same player it just wasn't they haven't had a real good solid you know routine really ever since the bubble in toronto and if they're able to do, if they're able to get some sort of semblance, I will grant Vino that point, because he's to that extent when he was speaking to the media, he was right. He has not had a consistent year in, year out year with the Flyers ever since he was hired. Point granted, but let's see what we can do. Like we're gonna, we got the whole off season now, yeah. and more than likely it's going to be July August when we're going to have the the free agent signees that come in, and then of course you got the expansion draft and. Matt, That's going to be interesting. I feel like that got, you know, I've heard complaining too about, well, he didn't do enough last, Chuck Fletcher, I mean, hmm. didn't do enough last summer to address the team's needs. Chuck Fletcher's in a tough spot because of the expansion draft. Not only that, but Niskanen's retirement was late. Yeah, that too. And I think that threw, it was like, okay, great. Now my number one defenseman is retired and I can't find anybody that's willing to trade me. And it's like, I'm not going to part ways with any of my young talent. Right. You know, Cause that's what you needed to do. If you wanted to get a number one defenseman, you needed to trade. And they didn't have the cap space to go after Petrangelo. Um, you know, you know, the former defenseman in St. Louis, Vegas, I believe signed him. And it was like, okay, well he's out of the, he's out of the mix. So that was, that was, you know, you're behind the eight ball there a little bit. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, what do you, what do you do? You know, okay, okay well, Majority well, of the signed, roster was intact last year. He signed Gustafson to a one-year yep. deal because that meant he it was mm -hmm. no risk, right? Yep. He works out great. 
If not, he's off the books. We don't have to protect him next summer. What have you. And more likely that's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Well, they traded him already, so. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) See, he was that insignificant. You know, so, and certain young players, I think, took a step back, but we know what they're capable of. Carter Hart being one of them. Carter Hart being one, Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers, those guys can all be better than they were. Yep. Um, Sean Couturier can be, he was probably the best player for the team this season. One mm-hmm. B was Claude Giroux, mm-hmm. but they, even they didn't have like their normal seasons. They can be better. So the top two needs, I think number one has to be somebody to pair with Provorov as your top defensive. as your top defensive pair. Yep. Yep. And I I honestly don't know how we deal with it. Mm. Uh, I could I could share this if you want. Let's do it. This is this is um Sports Illustrated. Mm. Their top 30 unrestricted free agents for 2021. Um and I've, John's going to salivate over number one, but <laughs> look at that cap hit though of Alex Ovechkin. My God, nine and a half million dollars. Good grief! Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the the top D man on this list is Dougie Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Now, aside from the fact that I really wouldn't be thrilled having a guy named Dougie, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. who who intentionally goes by Dougie, uh, you know, rather than other people calling him that. Carolina defenseman, right? Carolina defenseman. Um, yeah, one of the good ones. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I don't. What we need mm. is not an offensive powerhouse. Yeah, we need somebody on the back end who can beat some people up. Lockdown. Yeah, lockdown defenseman. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know that Doug Hamilton is that guy. I would agree. Yeah. I don't think he's ever. I mean, he's always been a terrific offensive performer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that he's, and I forget who he was paired with in Boston. I mean, the only the only thing that I could think of is that if Gostaspear, Shane Gostaspear, is left unprotected in the uh, in the expansion draft, and chances are the rumors that I've heard is that yes, he will be left unprotected. But I don't, I don't think I right. Guess. I mean, that's that's the big question mark. Is like, okay, well, if you leave him unprotected and Seattle takes him, then I think you have the option to go after Hamilton to replace Gostaspear. But look at that cap hit: five and a half million, five point seven million dollars. That's a lot of cap. That's that's his current cap hit. That's his current cap hit. Yeah, probably getting Petrangelo money on the on the market, which, which I think he signed for like seven eight million dollars. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, yeah, you're replacing Gostaspear, but Gostaspear wasn't exactly a defensive defenseman either. Yeah, exactly. You're not gaining any defensive yeah. prowess that way. Yeah. Then you know, Landis Cog is available. Landis Cog, yeah. I might be. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Not him. We don't need Tuka Rask. Taylor Hall, who seems to go like. <laughs> I really don't know what to make of Taylor. I uh, yeah, I I it's just really he is he's the strangest hot. player I think I've ever seen probably in the last 10 to 15 years watching the NHL with so much hype and potential and he just never lived up to that hype. Almost reminds me of Alexander Tank. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> much better career than Alexander. Yeah, Kane. exactly, exactly. I'm joking there a little bit. Philip Grubauer. We don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, you probably need somebody for Elliot, though. I know Elliot, I think, I think this was his last year, I think. Elliot Elliot played well this year, I think. But when when Hart got injured and the load fell on Elliot more, I think he, I don't think he can do a huge workload. So if you are relying on Elliot as your backup, you're taking a chance that if Hart gets hurt or starts playing badly again, I don't know that Elliot can take the, consistent play he's yeah. was great when it was like once or twice a week but yeah um but i don't think i mean grubauer i think he's gonna be looking for a starter job i don't think he'd be yeah so then the next d on the list is tyson barry and he's not a defensive guy either mm. i mean i i loved him in colorado as an offensive player mm-hmm. he looked like a forward playing defense mm-hmm. but that's again not yeah and he went to toronto and he's like, oh, I can't really understand why I'm playing so bad. And then I realized Dave Hextall was the defensive coach. <laughs> that could have pretty much answered that question. Yeah, exactly. Kyle Palmieri is an interesting player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a good shot. He had a down year, but Jersey sucked. Um, he would be a 6.3%. Yeah, shooting percentage. I just happened yeah, to say there. Yeah. Like career. I thought I saw, oh, his career is like twice that. Twice that, yeah. He scored 30 goals. It says he averaged 30 goals in his first five seasons. Five seasons. You know, that that wouldn't be a bad pickup, especially if you end up, say you lose JVR to Seattle. Yeah. That might be a decent. That would be a decent add-in, yeah. Um, So we got a few options there. But, yeah, it's like I would agree with you, Steve. I think ultimately COVID ravaged the team. Um and then you have like a young, a young team that kind of was like, okay, we got this adversity. You come back off of that. You only have one practice session with your coach in the month of March. Seventeen games in a month. We're not making excuses, but this is—it's reality. It's, it's reality. And you know, it's like you okay, could do the same thing with the Eagles last season, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You just yeah. ravaged with so much injury. You're kind of just like, okay, well, all right. Move on. Nobody, Move on from it. and Nobody says use injury as an excuse. Yep. I get that. I understand that. But at a certain point, there's a reality that can't be ignored. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, yeah, they've got a lot of decisions to make. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's like they've got a good core group, um, you know, and they had a hot start prior to the COVID outbreak. So the way I look at it, it's like, if the young group can continue to mature, you know, you've got, you connect any rebounds. You've got a Faraby who, you know, if he hits 20 to 25, if you got a Giroux who does his thing, Voracek who does his thing, you and I have debates on Voracek, that's fine. But, you know, and you have a Myers coming back and you've got, you know, um, Scott Lawton coming back. You know, it's like, they're going to bounce back. They're going to be better. Uh, and they will be competitive. You know, it depends on what they're going to do with the standings, of course, with, you know, with, and with Seattle coming in, how they're going to rearrange the standings again, if they do that. You know, this, I think the sky is still, and Car- and most importantly, Carter Hart had a bad year, had a really difficult year mentally, I think, was a toll on him. He had no one to, you know, come to and, you know, to be with him. And he's all alone to say, that's hard on a mental, you know, on, on a, 
21, 22-year-old, and he's supposed to be the savior of the franchise. I'm, I'm not worried about Carter. Not worried about him either. No, no. goalies have years like he had. Yeah. I, Martin Brodeur had some terrible years. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And it takes a little bit of time before he gets into that groove, and he's he's going to be just fine. I think he will bounce back next year and be so very need, good. So they need a top-pairing defenseman, and I think they need – I think they need somebody big who can score up front. Um, yeah. I think they need somebody who can sort of control play with their size to just make some space and, and score some goals. And I kind of like a, you know what kind of reminds me of a little bit of a younger Wayne Simmons. That's the kind of guy we need. I think I I've, I've heard a lot of people this week say the flyers really miss a guy like him. Yeah. Um, I actually heard Chris Terrian. Gritty. About, no pun intended. Chris Terrian was talking about the season and, you know, he, he, he's been around the team, so he would know, mm-hmm. you know, like guys like Giroux and Couturier, they're, they're great leaders, but they're also not the kind of guy who is sort of like aggressive and would get in your face. Gets you fired up. Necessary. Mm-hmm. Wayne Simmons was that kind of guy and he's not here. You know, maybe they need, a guy like that need that piece, yeah. You, you need know, that I, piece in there. Yeah. Trouble is, I don't know. I don't know who they can get that fills that. One of the things that Fletcher said at the trade deadline was this team's chemistry was off. Yeah. So it might not even be a matter of like, oh, we need to get Dougie Hamilton and whoever number three was on that list because we're not getting. <laughs> yeah. It, it might just be getting the right guy. You know, to to I, I liken it to the Sixers last year when they went out and signed Al Horford. Yeah, in theory, signing Al Horford is a good idea because he's another big guy. But how does that mesh with? Didn't exactly work out. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think the same. I think the same for the Flyers this year. I think there was just a yeah. mismatch. Yep. You need to get somebody who who can play with Provorov, and then the rest of the defense is able to sort itself out. Self out. Yep. And you got enough young talent in there that can do it. Fortunately, looking at that list, I think it's going to have to come via trade. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting. It's going. To, wouldn't you like to be Chuck Fletcher? No. <laughs> this could be 2009, and you know, acquire Chris Pronger all over again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's end on a let's end as we typically do on two noobs talking. There, Steve. We tend to end with a nice happy segment, and I think this is a great picture of us. Um, at the old stadium series game in 2019, of course you, uh, invited me. And of course it's one of my favorite tickets I still have here. Pittsburgh Penguins, Philadelphia Flyers at the link. Um, it was really funny. It's like, I'm looking at myself there and it's like, I've got a little, a little bit of a wisdom tooth problem. Remember I had, I think I had dental surgery that following Monday. (laughs) Uh, so I was like, Oh gosh, you know, okay. I wasn't feeling all that well, but, um, just a great, um, just a great game. And uh, in fact, what I've also done is I've procured a little bit of the tying goal, and of course the game winner. So let's go well, ahead well, before and we, before you play that. Oh yeah, because we we had quite an experience at this game. We so did. We arrived. That that picture was taken during the day. Yep. Uh, what did they call that outside the? Oh, it's like a fan zone. I think it was called or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're walking around the fan zone, which was really cool. They, what was that thing? Oh, they had the Oscar Mayer hot dog 
wiener truck. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, and you so had like people around. shooting pucks and all that kind of stuff. That was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Um, but the 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 problem that day was the weather was in such flux. Yeah, and nobody knew if. I mean, we, we were looking at the Weather Channel, I think, before we left. Oh, yeah. House. It's like, well, is the game going to be played? Because it wasn't, I don't remember what time it started. Maybe it was seven. I think it was seven or um, eight o'clock. It was an eight o'clock, eight o'clock game. O'clock. So it started at eight. Um, yeah. And uh, so the first period comes, weather was okay. Weather held out, I think, for the most part, through the first two periods. It did. Then the third and period. Then a steady out. shower. Steady shower. And we oh. were like, we were in, I learned my lesson from the, the winter classic. That was yeah. 2012. Yeah. Where I bought tickets that was at citizens bank park and we were in the outfield Yeah, and we couldn't see like below the players waists just because of the angle. So I bought tickets like high up at the yeah. length so we could see everything. Yeah. But we were like, just rose away from the overhang that would have protected us. From the so park. close. Yeah. And I, I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't. But I'm not like, gonna lie, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. You know, a torrential downpour, but it was oh. enough that you're bundled up and and the Flyers are losing three one and you're miserable. It sucked. It was pretty bad. It was. And like the whole row of people sitting in front of us in the third period left with uh, like five minutes to go. Something like that. It was like either between we five tripping, and eight minutes ago. You know, we hang with the team. We stick around. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it was a great experience. I mean, we we, we were going to stay in there no matter what the case was, unless it got to be a blowout and it was really, really bad. But slowly, Flyers with like I think with about four minutes ago got it to within three two, and then they win a faceoff, and I'll show this, which I think is just the greatest, because this was with about twenty two seconds left, and we're probably going to get in trouble with YouTube, but that's okay. I think I think actually the the the. The second goal came, I think it was under four minutes. Four minutes ago, yeah. I think it was like a minute and a half left. Yeah. So here we go. Off the tie-up. Off the tie-up. Now, we're at this game, right? Let's just talk about that moment right now. Because with less than 20 seconds to go, they tie the game up and we're our immediate was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they, cause they did deserve to win this game. They were down oh. three to one <laughs> penguins were pretty much owning the, the most of the game, I would say. And they yeah. come back to tie it with 20 seconds left. And it was like, it happened exactly. literally like we were of course in a high up. Remember Steve, you know, of course, like you accurately said, but Voracek just throws the puck to the net and it goes in. <laughs> It was it was a bad goal. It was not. It was a bad goal. By Matt Murray, not related to Matt Murray, by the way. Just exactly. <laughs> but it was an amazing. I mean, let's talk about that moment, the tie game, right? Because it was like all of a sudden, my my initial thought process was, oh my god, they've tied the game up. And then my immediate thought process was like, the people that were in front of us, they're not there anymore, right? <laughs> like, well, you know, it's kind of like, what are they going to do? It only gets even better. Only gets better. Because just a few minutes later, they go to a three-on-three. And in fact, let me uh, let me just see if I can't uh, improve this here a little bit. All right. 
As I, as I was saying, we were going off the player reaction because we didn't know it went in. Um, no clue. No idea. You just never know when you throw Bad it goal. to the front of the net. He throws it to the front of the net. And it finds its way to the back of the net on Matt Murray. Connect the shot. And that wouldn't go. Rattled all the way out and rolls on its edge. And hustling after it is Kessel. He breezes back in and a shot save and a cover. I was scared out of my mind when that happened, Steve. So was I. Because with Kessel coming down that left boards, it was or that you know the left hand side, it was like, oh my god, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, it's like there for that game. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. I my my heart jumped. <laughs> I was like, no, this can't happen. <laughs> you know, that, that's Elliot too, right? He, that he, is Brian Elliott in goal. Yeah. So let's. By Elliott, and then he turns. That was a again, huge save. The whistle had blown. Here comes Phil Kessel. <sighs> Another good stop by Brian Elliott. The center to get things organized a little better. Here we go. Now he accelerates and drops it off for the carry on by Claude Giroux. Giroux holding, gets around in front. What a comeback for the Philadelphia Flyers. Down three to one late in the third. They tie it late. Claude Giroux and his eight. That one go in the net. That was clear as day. Yeah. Because we, we saw him take the shot, and then the puck just slowly goes, and I'm like, oh, my God, that puck's going in. <laughs> I, just hoped, I just hoped at that point in the game, with the rain coming down and oh. you know, the, the normal wear and tear on the ice, that it wasn't just going to stop dead. Like, going to stop short? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've seen that happen enough times. So exactly. Exactly. That go in was great. We're high-fiving people we don't know. Oh, you know, back in the day, that was good. The fireworks going off, the you know, the flames as you saw like on the on that video clip was just it was unbelievable. And the whole the whole atmosphere was surreal. Like even think about it just now, it just gives me goosebumps. Because I mean you had Gritty coming down off the roof of the building, you know, in the link, and he's the the hottest mascot. That was his inaugural year, was twenty nineteen. He's coming down off the roof. Everyone's going nuts. You've got, you know, the national anthem play. I mean, everything. It was a spectacle. It was unbelievable to see. And um, you've got the two hated rivals against each other. And the way they came back. Oh, I mean, we were like high-fiving each other. We were pushing each other off. can't believe we saw this game. It was the greatest game I've ever seen in person. And I know you've seen other games that rival this. I don't know if this ranks number one. But you've in seen, like... Uh, in person, I think I, I actually did. This is one of the things I posted on Twitter was my top five mm. in person games. And I think this, I think this one was the top. It was in the top. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the closest I could think with you, uh, prior to this game was probably when the Phantoms won. Cause I think you were at the spectrum or the, uh, the first union center back then when it was called. Yes. And, uh, and I think I was at the Phillies game that same night. Oh, that's right. Yeah. At least at the walk-off, at the same time, the buzzer sounds. So you had both you know, the walk-off homer and then the game ends at that. I mean, that was an unbelievable night that night. That's for sure. It was, um, well, that it, it was definitely a good one. But I don't, if it wasn't uh, one of the big four, Yeah, uh, I rank it a little bit lower. I think there was, if there was a, there was, there were a couple of Phillies games on my list. I was at a game. Um, when the Phillies played the Yankees at Veterans Stadium and Schilling mm. struck out 16 of them. Mm. That was a pretty amazing game. That's were, pretty cool. 
Yeah. There were a couple other Flyers games. Oh, I, I think I put the one. I went to a game seven against Buffalo hmm. in 2011 um, where they had like 14 shots in the first period. Didn't score until the last minute when I think Briere got a stick on a shot from the point. Uh, and then from there, they went on to blow them out, which was. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You can't ask for any better than that. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of share that, that wonderful memory. Sorry if you're a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. Well, actually, sorry, not sorry on that, but uh, <laughs> it was a great memory. We figured that would be a great way to end episode 31 uh, with two news talking. My thanks, of course, Steve. It's so great. Thank you so much for stepping in and becoming our snoob or a substitute noob here this week. Yeah, I, you know, it's uh, it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. And, yeah. Uh, Hopefully John takes a few more vacations and I can. Uh... Yeah, we'll have to do the, have to definitely do this again for sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and you're such a big fan of ours, of course. I'm going to throw this at you. Where can people find us, man? So people can find us uh, socials. You got um, Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, Clapper. Is that like related to the? Yeah, very similar to yeah. <laughs> uh, TikTok short videos now. TikTok, These yep. all are short form videos, which lead to Matt, our YouTube channel. And we would really love it if you hit that subscribe button down there in the lower right corner, just below my finger right there. Hit that subscribe button. We'd love for you to join us uh, and to get the word out. Of course, liking and sharing our videos also helps to get the word out as well. On the audio side, Steve. Well, on the audio side, we are on Apple Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, which I'm obligated to mention John has disdain for, uh, (laughs) as well as Google Podcasts. Um, Are you guys not on uh, Podbean anymore? I think we still are. I believe we still are. Podbean qualifies. If not, then you can just disregard that last comment. Exactly. There you go. You can can search for us by searching Two Noobs Talking 215-512-Podcast. Awesome. And then, of course, on our show notes... I don't have them with me. We'll put something together, though, with that LinkedIn article. Yeah, we'll throw something up. Why not? Uh, but we can find them, twonoobstalking.wordpress.com. If you hit in your email address in the search bar, bam! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Those show notes show up in your inbox the very next day. So that's it, man. Episode 31 in the can, Two Noobs Talking. Steve, thank you again for joining me. Got anything final to say, bud? In point of fact, Matt, I do have one final thing I need to say. Um, Matt, I am going down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Just be careful down there. Ah, (laughs) Talk to you all next week. Take care.